everybody, and welcome to episode two of Airway First, podcast from the Children's Airway First Foundation. I'm your host, Rebecca Boshma. My guest today is Emma Cooksey, podcast host, writer, speaker, and one of the estimated 22 million diagnosed American adults suffering with obstructive sleep apnea. Through her weekly podcast, Sleep Apnea Stories, Emma not only shares her journey, but she's also become a champion for others suffering from obstructive sleep apnea by breaking down sleep apnea stereotypes and raising awareness of both symptoms and treatments. Earlier this week, I was lucky enough to have the chance to sit down and talk to Emma about her personal airway journey and her life now as a podcaster and patient advocate for sleep apnea. So I know everyone has a unique story. For those of you who don't know Emma, uh, and, and haven't ever heard her story on her podcast, you can check it out. There's an episode where she explains it. We've also promoted a very short video on our social media where she gets into it. But go ahead, and if you would just share a little bit about your story, about how you found out that you have an airway disorder. Okay. So as a child, I had huge tonsils. They call them grade four. They were pretty much touching at the back of my throat. But I grew up, I'm in my 40s now, so I grew up in an era in the UK where they had swung from everybody having their tonsils removed to no one having their tonsils removed. So in order Mm -hmm. to get your tonsils removed, you needed to have a certain number of infections. Like people say strep throat here, we say tonsillitis. But I would always have three a year and they wanted me to have four. (laughs) So clearly I was not really that well and yeah uh, constantly having problems with my tonsils I also had terrible allergies um but at the time um I had a big allergy scratch test on my back Mm -hmm. and my allergy to horses was so pronounced that we found out because I was like going to ride on a donkey at the beach and uh ended up in the hospital not able to breathe and and everything And so at that point, it was more like, how do we manage that? We're going to stay away from horses. (laughs) But there was no, um, the kind of things that are available now, I don't think were really available then. I don't think Mm -hmm. like, it certainly wasn't a conversation to take me to an allergist or any of that. So I had all of these problems, which now in retrospect, I also was a mouth breather because of what I had going on with the allergies and the tonsils. Mm -hmm. And I definitely... uh, went through my childhood mouth breathing all the time could not breathe through my nose nobody ever mentioned that it was a good idea to breathe through your nose so I know that you know where this is going so then as a teenager I had four teeth extracted um, and I had retracted braces for almost three years and and then uh, yeah and I just never really felt well again after that process was done it left me with a very small you know I already had a small um mouth and a narrow high arch palate and all these things Mm -hmm. but nobody mentioned that there was anything wrong with that so I just always felt quite tired but I think that during my teenage years I you know could explain it away with like I'm doing a lot of stuff in high school and I'm busy and staying out later mm-hmm. maybe that's why I'm Hormonal, so tired yeah right then I started mm-hmm. university and I was at university for four years and during that time 
I was always exhausted and I would go to like uh, lectures at 9am in my pajamas and stuff like that but of course like I went to university in Scotland where I mean probably like any college right like everybody's going out drinking all the time and Mm -hmm. And so a lot of it could be explained away by I feel terrible, but then I have been out really late and all these things. Right. So then after university, I spent a year traveling. And so I went to Thailand and Malaysia, then to Sydney and Australia. And I worked in Sydney for about six months. And that's when I really started thinking, like, there's something wrong with my health. Like I couldn't bounce back like all my friends. I was working, a lot of my friends had jobs in bars and I ended up um, with a job working for a big law firm in a commercial litigation department mm-hmm. where, which was lucrative. So it was good for backpacking because, um, you know, I was already planning what I was going to do after that six months. So, but I started crying every morning <laughs> in the shower like every morning just from exhaustion yeah just feeling Mm. like when I woke up in the morning I felt like I hadn't even gone to bed the night before um and I definitely had a whole bunch of anxiety and I would wake up with a pounding chest all the time and really had every classic symptom of sleep apnea so yeah pounding chest all the time multiple waking up at night using the bathroom lots of times at night, morning headaches, um, depression, anxiety. Uh, I mean, just pretty much every symptom yeah. I had them all, right? So I hadn't really, just because I was traveling, I hadn't really talked to any doctors. Like I was starting to think there's something not right, but I hadn't mm-hmm. really talked to anybody about it. So then when I got back to Scotland, I was working in Glasgow and I went to see a GP there. Mm-hmm. and at that point I kind of said like this is all that's going on with me and you know mainly I feel terrible <laughs> um, and he did like all the blood work and all the stuff <laughs> um, and came back and just was like good news there's nothing wrong like we can't find anything wrong and you know it's probably just stress because like you know early 20s you're probably stressed so that was kind of became I mean it's not funny because it's my life but it's almost funny in retrospect because over those um all of my 20s I went to the doctor at least once a year to say I feel terrible I'm so exhausted I feel anxious all the time Mm -hmm. and so I kind of you know, was treated for anxiety, but nobody Mm -hmm. really got to the root of why I was feeling that way. So every time I would go, they would say, you're really stressed because of what you have going on in your life. Or um, then, so I should just say, just so nobody gets confused, at the age of um, 30, I'd gotten married to my husband, who is from the United States in Scotland. And then we moved to Florida when I was 30. And I got pregnant right away with my first daughter. So then I would go to the doctor and they would say, oh, you're tired and anxious and exhausted because you're pregnant. And I would be like, I don't think that's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't think that's what it is, but okay. And then I, you know, they said, we'll see what it's like, you know, after the baby comes and all that. Well, of course that 
disruptive sleep but my daughter like started sleeping through the night like maybe six months old early on yeah and I still felt horrendous I was still napping like you know every time she napped I did all the things but I was still exhausted so I went back and they said you have a young child that's why you're tired so years and years of just never getting to the bottom of what happened so Mm -hmm. then um I was 30 with um my daughter was it was actually like no joke like a week or two weeks after I'd been to the doctor and they said you're just tired because you have a newborn and I took Katie to go see my mother-in-law and she lives Mm -hmm. about 40 minutes away and we were driving home across the Buckman Bridge here in Jacksonville Mm -hmm. and I just had that feeling that people have you know like driving where you have an intense I'm gonna fall asleep like my eyes were just closing and it was really scary and I just was focusing on this truck I was on like a four-lane bridge filled with traffic um lots of trucks and I just started thinking like I'm gonna hit that truck in front of me and so I kept focusing on the license plate and then I had that momentary like I fell asleep at the wheel and then the next thing I knew this like slow motion license plate of the truck in front of me was coming towards me like kind of slowly but also Mm -hmm. fast it was like the strangest thing and I slammed on my brakes and we didn't hit that truck by some miracle like it it was just I still am like you know astonished because it really I had to break so hard it made like a really terrible noise and so then when I got off the bridge I pulled over and I napped for like 20 minutes just to kind of take the edge off and then I drove home and at that point I just gave the baby to my husband and I said like there is something wrong with my sleep Mm -hmm. and I didn't even really know like what a sleep study was or anything about it but I called back that doctor who had just said it'll all be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, there's something wrong with my sleep. I just, um, you know, I fell asleep at the wheel and I almost got in a really serious car wreck. So at that point they said, okay, maybe you should go and have a sleep study. And so I had a sleep study. <laughs> um, and I think at that point, I just kind of was like, you know, I felt I just knew nothing about it. So I felt like sleep disorders are something really foreign that hardly anybody has. They're super rare. Older people. Right, older people. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think I'd ever heard of sleep apnea, to be honest. So I had that um, test done and I went to get the results and they said, you have obstructive sleep apnea um, and we're going to give you a CPAP. And I was like, why do I have obstructive sleep apnea? And they said, oh, you know, lots of people have it. Like, it, you know, they were kind of surprised because they they weren't used to seeing young, like, Mm -hmm. you know, women who weren't overweight and that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. they were like, yeah, hmm, strangest thing. You have sleep apnea. But then they were like, well, people have it for different reasons. And sometimes it's hereditary. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. my parents don't have this. Like, I I don't know. Yeah. So I kind of left with more questions than answers. But I also, you know, was the mom to a young baby. So I just was 
like fine if I need to do the CPAP thing let me go home and get on with it because I have to like you know feed my baby and do all the things I have to do um so then uh yeah so then I like a lot of people I struggled with CPAP Mm -hmm. um and it probably you know it took me about maybe like a year to really figure it out so I could like use my CPAP all night and all that then I pretty much just got on with my life and used CPAP for 14 years and then uh I get confused about the so for a while I was saying 12 years but I've been saying that for three years years now yeah (laughs) I think I think it was so to take me to I think it was 13 years to take me to the summer of 2020 okay um and then summer 2020 I started my podcast sleep Mm -hmm. apnea stories and a lot of that was to do with just trying to connect with other people who um have sleep apnea and maybe Mm -hmm. you're looking for answers as to why they have sleep apnea and trying to you know kind of resolve the underlying issues rather than you know just doing CPAP forever kind of thing although I was I was you know I'm still doing CPAP I've been doing CPAP the whole time um but then I started interviewing people on my podcast and I started learning about um airway and Mm -hmm people who have sleep apnea because they you know like develop like their jaws don't develop properly and they have like these narrow and high arch palates Mm -hmm. and not enough room for their tongue and all of these things and I just kept being like that's me and I read James Master's book and I was like which is fabulous and which that's me yeah yeah (laughs) yeah the whole time so I guess like that started my um journey to try and reverse all the stuff but Mm -hmm. um and so I kind of like started working with a myofunctional therapist I worked with a potato breathing instructor I have been doing pellet expansion (laughs) and you got your tongue released too right I got tongue tie released Mm -hmm. um yeah so it's been a lot it is and it's a huge journey yeah and so I think that why I love what you're doing is that we need to like get the message out to parents of children so that they can intervene and because I think my life would have turned out a lot differently if that had happened as a young child right and it's so interesting um just listening to your story and you both you and I both now you know know what the signs are and literally you're just a giant checkbox of the signs as a child yeah. Um, and, and for people that are wondering, you know, why was I so psyched to have you on our podcast so early on? Because you are a poster child for what happens if you yeah. don't catch it early. And throughout your experience, you heard over and over, it's just this, it's just this, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's chronic fatigue, you're a new mom. Mm-hmm. So many people and especially with kids where this is what we're running into. No, no, no. They just have ADHD. No, 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 no. This is, you know, they're just at this age. This is how they are. And that there's a definite need to advocate for yourself and for your child. Yes. Because I think that we're at this kind of um, point where dentists and doctors are not receiving 
training we hope that that's going to change right but right right Which right is now yeah it's like anything to do with your airways falling through the cracks because mm-hmm. medical doctors are very much um you know looking at um sleep apnea in terms of cpap and how do we keep that airway open not why it developed that way right, right. Mm-hmm. and a lot of dentists are saying that's a medical problem mm-hmm. right that's not my you know jurisdiction but right. i think that so i think for a lot of people um they're going to these specialists who are saying you know i don't know what you're talking about and they're having to push and find the right people and the right, right people are out there but it just takes work to find them right exactly which is part of what we're advocating for you know one of the things i heard you say and i i recently published this on our social media uh with a great photo of you. And the reason I put the photo up is because it's, it's you and your brother, but your mouth is, Oh, I mean, it's, it's yes. right there. It's yeah. wide open mouth breather. And, and, you know, you can even see the arch and, and I'm thinking it just, we didn't know. Yeah. Um, but every time you would go to the dentist, you said that that's when you realized you were a mouth breather because every time you go to the dentist, you basically drown. Yeah. So when I would go to the dentist as a child, they would be, you know, like just doing a regular teeth cleaning Mm -hmm. and the water from that squirty thing would be, I would feel like I was drowning because Mm -hmm. I really couldn't breathe out my nose at all. Right. 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 And I just never did. And so they would be like, breathe through your nose. This won't take a moment. And I'm just like, I can't breathe through, you know, like I would tell them I can't breathe through my nose. But those dentists and dental hygienists, that wasn't a red flag to them. Mm-hmm. But that should right. be a huge red flag. It should be a huge red flag. And, yeah. and you know, one of, um, I mean, full transparency, I mean, Jaden's Nestor is on our advisory board. So obviously, I love just, him. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, but his, <laughs> but it, his book is just so amazing. But another one of our advisory board members, Chris Duvall, is, um, you know, she was a hygienist and it, it never occurred to me until listening to her talk one time about how important the role of hygienists are in this process because, Huge. right. Because hygienists though, you know, we talk about dentists and we talk about pediatricians, hygienists, they're the front lines. They're there with the kids first Yes, and they've been trained clean, move them through, clean, move them through. But yeah. You know, one of the things that Chris is advocating for is no, 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 especially in kids, take time, look at that airway, ask them questions. So as a hygienist cleaning your teeth, saying, breathe through your nose and you're saying, I can't, I can't, huge red flag. Right. Are you teeth? Are you grinding your teeth? Because I was a huge, like I grind my teeth. I still do. But like, you know, as a child, that was definitely i mean you can tell that from wear and tear on kids teeth right yes scallop tongues and Mm -hmm. just all of these things right tongue ties low forward tongue posture so i think i think you're right i think that the um one of the things in this area is there's a lot of um hygienist training as myofunctional therapists Mm -hmm. but but my thing is they don't even need to do that if we could just train every dental hygienist to know all of these signs mm-hmm. to be able to say to the parent, you might want to, 
you know, find uh, and be able to refer them to the people who know about airway, right? Right, right. You know, even even just like the the Breed Institute has the Ferris Six checkmark. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about. So, and, and we'll put a link to had, it in this podcast for people that don't. Yeah, know. even yeah. if we had that available to every parent and every dental hygienist in the country, yes. like even just a cursory glance at that. Like if, mm-hmm. if I had been taken to the dentist and somebody had had that on their break room wall, they would have said, I just saw a child with every single one of those problems. Right. They would right. have seen huge tonsils, a huge tongue tie. And, yes. You know, like very, very narrow, high arch palate. palate. Yeah. And um, not properly developed jaws. Um, you know, bedwetting longer than normal mm-hmm. teeth grinding and um, I had Breaking absolutely all of those things and mm-hmm. tired right like yeah mm-hmm. and I know with a lot of children um ADHD type symptoms you know some sort of hyperactivity is a, yep. is a really that didn't really happen with me but like I think that's so common so but it have, is yeah. even a couple of those things it's worth investigating it right so many kids are misdiagnosed as ADHD and all of this you know, to me goes back to the core of we're just treating the symptoms. Nobody's you know taking the time to dig in and figure out why. And one of the things in your story that really kills me is, you know, as you're, you're going along, you get to the point that they take out four teeth and let's put on retractive braces for for people who have questions about that. You can, there is a blog post on our website that goes into that in more detail with graphics and a very, very uh, detailed explanatory video. But in doing that, that actually set you back and made it worse because it put your tongue closer to your trachea and blocked it more. Yeah. I know. And here we are as parents thinking, well, we're doing the right thing. We're helping our child. We're going to fix their teeth. We're going to make them straight. Yeah. And there aren't, so that's kind of probably like just for people listening, like as a parent, that's one of the things you're going to come up against all the time. Oh yeah. Is finding people who know what you're talking about Mm -hmm. or, 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 you know, just who accept that way of thinking about it, because we're at this kind of moment where I hope, I mean, I just interviewed James Nestor for my podcast and Mm -hmm. he was saying he doesn't think that this is really that controversial anymore, but among, you know, and I think that depending where you are in the country, like I'm sure if you're in, you know, California and New York and some of these bigger places, um, you're going to be able to connect with the right you know, like trained professionals in airway. But Mm -hmm. where I live in Northeast Florida, I just, I mean, my trying to find some sort of solution for my daughter um, who's 14 to, unfortunately she um, had me as a mother. So I've been, you know, she doesn't have any of these issues and I made sure that she developed as a nasal breather and all the different things, but like, you know, even just straightening some teeth, mm-hmm. there are no people offering expansion, right? Right. So it's just kind of, I, I had to, you know, I eventually find an orthodontist I really like who 
totally got what I was saying. Yeah, <laughs> but how said, far away is the orthodontist? Oh yeah, I have to drive to her, right? Like yeah, yeah. So that's that's part of what people are dealing with. Like they they want their kids to have straight teeth, but it's like they you know do they want to drive an hour or two hour you know like every six weeks to get or whatever it, it is. done right where it doesn't impact the airway versus yeah. traditional orthodontics which might be right around the corner yeah and it's worth saying that like traditional orthodontics like just the number of people i've talked to like you know that can have a detrimental effect on your airway or it could have a neutral effect on your airway mm-hmm. or it could be good for you know it just depends how it's right. done and right and who the you know professional you go to is but for me like I feel certain that that was a huge part of my developing oh. sleep apnea and having a tiny airway I I, I would agree just based on yeah. obviously not a doctor right. um, but also but, not a doctor <laughs> obviously but you know from everything that you and I have both researched that's when you get to your journey and you get to that point where they pull teeth and slap on retractive braces yeah you see that over and over and over and over yes. and over. I mean, just I, changes just, the trajectory. I just, talk, I think that um, with my podcast, like I've just talked to so many people now mm-hmm. who have the same story. Right. <laughs> and to begin with, it was like, oh, like that's the same as me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. now that I've looked into it more, I'm like, this is so common. You are listening to Airway First with today's guest, Emma Cooksey. You can find out more about the Children's Airway First Foundation and our mission to ensure that every child has access to screening, evaluation, and treatment of all children's airway disorders before the age of six on our website at childrensairwayfirst.org. You can also find tons of great resources for parents on our website, including videos, blogs, recommended books, comprehensive medical research, and more. As a reminder, This podcast and the opinions expressed here are not a medical diagnosis. If you suspect your child might have an airway issue, contact your pediatric airway dentist or pediatrician. And now back to our conversation with Emma Cooksey. The other aspect that I think is is incredibly common and for a variety of reasons, I think it's kind of pushed to the side is the anxiety and depression that goes with it. Yeah. You know, years and years of wear and tear, which people don't acknowledge because, again, don't understand it. Mm-hmm. It's happened on your body and on your brain, mm-hmm. you know, growing up by the time you hit your 20s. Oh, yeah. You know, so, I, and I think that's very common. And we're seeing that a lot, especially in young teens. Yeah. So I would say, like, the mental health aspect was mm-hmm. definitely one of the best things about starting my podcast because I think I, like so many people, when you go to the doctor repeatedly and you say, I have a pounding chest when I wake up, I'm so anxious all the time, they say, Oh, like, you need to, you know, like go like a mental health route and do antidepressants and therapy mm-hmm. and all that, which I want to just say work. And there is, yes. there is help and there is, you know, there are resources and there's treatments that work for anxiety and depression. Absolutely. But at the same time, I think that there needs to be way more um, looking at why people have depression and anxiety. Agreed. Because I think that there's a very different, I've talked to lots of people on the podcast who were told you're having panic attacks in the middle of the night, right? But like that, 
which, you know, maybe that's, that could be it for sure. But I just think if you have sleep apnea, the chances are you're having an apnea and then waking up with this huge rush of adrenaline Uh and it can very much feel like a panic attack. So, yeah, I think that, um, destigmatizing the the anxiety and depression that goes with this is really helpful and just mm-hmm. just also recognizing like with sleep apnea i think there's this thing of well there's a treatment for that mm-hmm. so so it's almost like you know um oh you have this thing but like oh but you're doing the cpap thing so you should be fine so you're fine yeah when so many of us continue to struggle with anxiety and depression and continue just not to feel great (laughs) right so I think that you know like there's there's definitely um I felt better just the more I've found community with other people who have very similar life experiences to me it just Mm -hmm. really helps on social media you had a reel recently where you were cleaning your CPAP yeah. <laughs> and I was, I was dying um, um, because you're doing backstreet, first of all, well done. But uh, you got to the point where you talked about, you know, about, is it sexy? And, you know, are you sexual? And, and you were like, mm, no, I appreciate that you're taking this kind of approach to it. But I mean, this goes so deep that pe- that's another thing that does contribute to whether people want to admit it or not, your mental state. Right. I mean, I think people have very different reactions to CPAP, right? Like, I, I think for me, in some ways, I was, I mean, it's not really lucky, but one of the things that came out of my very late diagnosis, like it taking more than 10, 10 years, really 20 years, if you go back to my like right. childhood. Um, so one of the um, things about that was, that um I was already married right I was already Mm -hmm. like had a really great husband and he lived with me through it so he was like whatever's gonna help like he you know he's all about like whatever you need to do to get some sleep is what needs to happen um but I've talked to lots of people who were you know like 19 or um you know single and dating and it is a consideration for sure. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think like, um, yeah, a lot of it's getting the word out about like what some of the alternatives are. And also this idea of like, try and get to the root of why yes. you have sleep apnea in the first place and, and, you know, try and solve some of those underlying issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know one of the other things I was going to say, like Instagram, I guess by its uh, nature is kind of like a, like fairly lighthearted place to be right um, but i think that uh oh but I you've done a, you've done a good job I've keeping gone. lighthearted and serious and a balance because it is a serious topic oh yeah for it sure it really is I, I just had total brain fog and i had a, something to tell you and now i can't think what it is this is one of the things about being like hypoxic for <laughs> Yeah. Right. Um, which, which is, this would be a great point to bring up that, that people also don't realize lack of sleep over a prolonged period of time. This is again, this is one of, you know, one of our big sounding moments uh, with the children's airway foundation. <clears throat> it causes hypoxic brain damage. Yeah. Irreversible. Yeah. And, and in kids, the studies have shown you can lose up to 10 IQ points. 
Yeah, easily. That's huge. It is. It's huge. So I think sometimes, um, sometimes a lot of it is speaking to yourself kindly. Like I love Kristen Neff's work with Mm self-compassion. Um, because I think that you're trying to hold yourself to the standard of someone who has not been hypoxic for (laughs) more than 10 years, probably 20. Um, and brain fog and and lack of cognition like that's a daily problem that's real life yeah yeah and so I think like sometimes just knowing that like you know allows you to speak more kindly to yourself like you're doing the best you can right and I think that you know just a lot of the people I've talked to I'm in this like wonderful I know what I was gonna say so Instagram is quite lighthearted, right but what I was gonna say was like one of the reasons I'm really driven to do this work Mm -hmm. is that I am in this unbelievably privileged position where all these things have happened to me, but I also have this wonderful life and like a loving and supportive husband and all the privilege to use my time in this way. So I think Mm -hmm. that that's part of it. Like, I just feel as though, um, if not me, then who, who's going right. to do this. Right. Right. And so I, I just really hope like I, the idea of like, I haven't held down a full-time job since I was, you know, since I was 29 before I moved to, to the States because I can't, right. like, I can't, like, I, I just can't, um, you know, whether it's like the, the cognition and, and my brain, like stay, you know, like staying with something that long or mm-hmm. um, just sheer exhaustion and just still not getting good quality sleep. Right. So, and, and this would be, you know, and to point out to listeners again, you have a degree in law and yeah. economics. Yeah. 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 There's no way. Like, so when I was um, in my, cause sometimes, you know, I would come across people that would be like, you have a law degree. Well, partly they would be like, you have a law degree. Cause that's weird. Cause I don't really seem like a lawyer type, I guess. Right. Um, but I think now looking back, like there's no way I could have, like I, I did four years of law and then I went and worked for the law firm in Sydney. And then when I got back to Glasgow, I was like, what kind of temping job can I do that will pay my share of the rent? and keep food on the table and that was all I was looking for right and everybody around me is like what you know what I want to achieve with my career I wasn't in that headspace at all I was Mm -hmm. like how can I survive this survive right yeah right which goes back to what we're talking about the mental impact that nobody talks about Mm -hmm. um that goes along with these breathing disorders especially undiagnosed breathing disorders yes. because how many years did you spend going to doctors years. no you're fine you're fine you're fine it's this it's that yeah and, you and do, i would you be start at, to think what's you wrong know, with me? i would be at all these jobs like i mean honestly i feel kind of bad for some of my bosses back in the day <laughs> because i would i kind of in my 20s had this cycle which i feel like a lot of people in the, well i hope people hear this and if they recognize themselves they go mm-hmm. and have their right. airway looked at and see right. if they have sleep apnea or whatever which is why we do but, this podcast yeah. right and so yeah. early on i had like a really kind boss who i would be crying like most days mm. and it was so hard yeah like i 
just, you know, if you can imagine going all night and having, you know, maybe like 25 apneas an hour and I seem to be very reactive and I would wake up almost all the time, like, you know, multiple times an hour, I was exhausted and just like felt so like, you know, I mean, I was not doing high quality work. (laughs) I was doing my best, but it felt just like, insurmountable you know Mm -hmm. and so I think at the time I made it about like I have a mean boss or I don't like my co-workers or you know like this isn't the right job for me right when really (laughs) looking back it was none of I was just exhausted I couldn't sure yeah right right So so it's it's definitely I mean like one of my bosses you know would be like really kind and he was just like is there anything going on at home and I'd be mm. like, all that's going on at home is I'm going home at the end of my work day and sleeping all of the time that I'm not here and then yeah. getting up and doing it again. And my husband's lovely. <laughs> so, you know, like that, yeah. that's kind of, that was my experience. Right. So I, I know that, that this has led you to start your podcast, mm-hmm. which again, I will say is brilliant for those of you who haven't Thanks. listened. There is a link that we will be putting in here, but it's the sleep apnea stories. Um, actually not the, it's just sleep apnea stories. Sleep apnea stories. Yes. Um, but it's also led you to project sleep. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd love to, to kind of open it up so you could talk a little bit about project sleep, you know, who they are, you are newly on the board of directors mm-hmm. um, and, and really, you know, what are you guys doing? So I, um, thanks so much for asking about it. Cause I love yeah. talking about project sleep. I know. Um, I know. And I loved your sleep in in March. That was awesome. Right. So I first learned about project sleep just on Instagram and mm-hmm. I saw the um, Julie Flygar, who is their CEO and um, was doing a lot of work where they were training people with sleep disorders, mainly narcolepsy. So Julie has narcolepsy mm-hmm. and she started this nonprofit, I think six years ago to spread awareness about sleep disorders. So I started seeing excerpts of, of talks that some of these um, sort of trained speakers, they have a program called Rising Voices of Narcolepsy. Mm-hmm. And they had some speakers who were sharing their stories and so sleep disorder stories is kind of my deal. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, I saw that and I connected with Julie and just was like, I love what you're doing. And she actually came on the podcast just to talk a bit about raising awareness. And then we be, just became really fast friends. And we talked a lot about how we have shared goals to try and spread awareness. But I knew that on my own, you know, I can do my podcast and I can do my own thing, but the more I can join up with other people who mm-hmm. are spreading awareness, the better it would be. So we talked a lot about how, um, you know, she's done so many great programs. She has like a scholarship for people with narcolepsy going to college. And they do, they just do a ton of great things they're doing a Mm -hmm. lot of um, advocacy work in dc where they're trying to um you know just keep pushing for more funding and more research into sleep disorders so i just was 
all in. So I did, I became the first person to complete their Rising Voices uh, speaker training program last summer mm-hmm. as the first person with sleep apnea to go through it. Okay. And so that was kind of a pilot to see how we got on with it. Yeah. And so um, it went really well. And so you can see my, I've got like my stories up there on the Project Sleep website. Um, and I loved that experience, just being with other people with sleep disorders. And even though you would think, well, narcolepsy and sleep apnea are so different um, and they are very different. Yes. But I think that some of the um, just having that time with other people coping with sleep disorders, like on like weekly Zooms to to work on our um, presentations and get feedback from each other just really helped me feel less alone. Like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the things to do with um, going undiagnosed for a long time, a lot of the things to do with families not necessarily understanding or being supportive. And um, we actually realized that we do have a lot in common. So this is kind of the transition year where I think we're going to move to fully rebranding that as Rising Voices and covering all the sleep disorders net by next year, I think. But okay. this summer we have, I think, five or six people with sleep apnea who are going to be doing the Rising Voices program. Oh, wow. So that, that makes awesome. me proud. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, joining the board, I just was like delighted um, because it just allows me to help include sleep apnea in some of the work that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I just think there's so much work to do in raising awareness and and Julie's whole um, ethos is, is um, using people's stories really to do that, to draw people in. I think that there's, mm-hmm. there's only so much she can do with um, telling people information, but right. I think that stories really draw people in. Well, and, you've got that connection and you can, yeah. you oh wait, that's yeah. me. So that's what Project Sleep's all about. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I really enjoy um, working with them. And next month, actually, I'll be at the, um, there's the Sleep 2022 conference uh-huh. in, in Charlotte. Oh, well, I thought no, you joined the New York as well, right? Oh, I know I'm going all over the place. <laughs> Um, so I'm in New York next month in May, and then in yes. June they've persuaded me to come to Charlotte because um, okay. they have a, a little booth there, and oh. so I'll be there. If anybody listening is going to be there, come and say hi. Oh, well, put a link to that in there as well. And I know you now in May you're speaking. Are you speaking? Or are you no. just attending? Oh no, okay, no, I'm no, just, no, no, I'm just, just a random attended. lady with a podcast rocking up. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, these um. Uh, some of the the conferences they do to do with airway or to do mm-hmm. with sleep or whatever, I like to go just because I think that we need more patient voices in the room. Yes, um, agreed. But it's kind of funny because people will say, how many dentists do we have in the room? And everybody will say, yeah. And then how many... <laughs> sleep doctors okay great and then they'll kind of look at me and be like is there anyone else I'm a patient advocate with a podcast and you do sometimes just feel a little bit like the odd one out but I think that the more um the more we can be in the room and you know and I'll keep and I'll keep asking to speak at things you know like people have started to kind of be more receptive to that so yeah I think that it it, um the experience of living with sleep apnea is one of the things that's missing a lot of times with a lot of the solutions people come up with yes yeah 
So, and I love that you attend these things because that's actually how we met because you were attending a conference. Yes. That Candy, our CEO, yes, uh, was at, and you you heard her speak, Mm -hmm. and it was your story that drew her in, and then. Yeah. And I had Candy on my podcast. Yes. Talk all about what you're doing. And like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I think the people with um it really is just all about stories, right? Like you can just relate so much as a mother to her story. And Mm -hmm. I think that it's powerful. And I think that, you know, the more people hear that, the more they're gonna Mm -hmm. start joining the docs of their own children and what's going on. I agree. I agree. So what, um, as we close, I want to make sure that I get this right, by the way, you had a quote that I heard in one of your talks, um, mouth breathing is completely common. And just because it's common, doesn't make it normal. Right. So, um, as we end, I would like you to, you know, to me, um, and, and I've, uh, I've listened to so much, but that was one of the most profound things that you said. Yes. And to me, that is the core of what's wrong. Yes. Yeah. It's if normalized. You, um, yeah. It, it, one of the problems though, with it's almost like you can't put it back in the box. So once you get, go down the rabbit hole and read all this stuff about what's wrong with people's airways, Mm-hmm. You see it everywhere. Everywhere. I watch TV and mouth breather, mouth breather. Oh, look, recessed jaw. You see it. Yeah, everywhere. everywhere. So you do have to remind yourself that it's not okay to go up to people that you don't know. Yeah, and go, say, sh- oh my gosh. Push your mouth. Yeah. yeah. Do you have an airway? Do you, but do you not sleep well? If you have children yeah. in your family or people, yes. you know, cousins or, um, you know, close friends' kids, then please. You know, just even say, hey, I read this book. I would love for you to read mm-hmm. um, and find a really good book on the subject and give it to them. Because I think that um, it's normalized to the point where parents even will say to their pediatrician, you know, if you said, oh, my child's a mouth breather, most pediatricians don't know what to do with that information. Or they, they think you grow say, out of it. Mm-hmm. They would say, oh, I'm sure you'll grow out of it when the opposite is true. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I think I think honestly, like my biggest thing for parents is find a myofunctional therapist. Like I feel like myofunctional therapists are um, so well connected with all the different people that you need to go and see. Mm-hmm. like that helped me that's just a great to, starting point yeah I mean I think just to have them even do an evaluation it's not that you know it's not that much of a commitment just take your kid for an hour or whatever and see what they say because I, I think that. I think until I went to my functional therapist I'd seen all these things in myself and I thought wow I have a lot of those characteristics but until I heard her <laughs> tell me like her report which was basically like I don't even know how you're eating with that tongue placement like that's crazy yeah you know like you definitely have all these things going on like I I think that um until you really hear that you're kind of like oh maybe it's fine but it's not but it's not really normal it's really common but it's not normal right right awesome I cannot thank you enough 
for coming on our podcast oh, today. Thank you for I really having appreciate me. It. I it's appreciate it. Emma Cooksey's podcast is Sleep Apnea Stories. We'll have a link to it below. Please check it out. And thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks again to today's guest, Emma Cooksey, for sharing her story and to each of you for listening to today's episode. If you're new to our podcast, please don't forget to subscribe. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please remember to leave us a review or a comment about what you enjoyed most. You can stay connected with the Children's Airway First Foundation by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you'd like to be a guest on an upcoming episode, shoot us a note via the contacts page on our website or send us an email directly at info at childrensairwayfirst.org. As a reminder, this podcast and the opinions expressed here are not a medical diagnosis. If you suspect your child might have an airway issue, contact your pediatric airway dentist or pediatrician. And finally, thanks to all the parents and medical professionals out there that are working hard to help make the lives of kids around the globe a little better. Take care, stay safe, and happy breathing, everyone.